Broadcasting live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook, it's In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. I want to thank you very much for making my day in the sun so memorable. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Friday. It is great to be back at the scene of the fun here at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. We are back and will be here for the foreseeable future on Fridays from 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle uh, at, the Great Gold, at the Great Golden Circle Sportsbook uh, here at the Treasure Island. And just before we get off to the show, which uh, we're going to uh, talk about free agency, we're going to talk about uh, Josh McDaniels finally speaking as the official head coach of the Raiders and what his plans might be for this offseason. Before we get to Ed Graney from the – uh, Review Journal and the, uh, uh, my colleague here with Raider, Na- Raider Nation Radio and Lotus uh, Broadcasting. Before we get to all that, I just want to say you got to get over to the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Whether it's tonight, tomorrow, next week, whenever um, you know you get a chance, come on down. Uh, it's inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino. There's great food, great drink specials, live sports, and horse race betting. Uh, I'm looking around right now, and all of that is going on. Uh, the bar and betting kiosks are open 24 hours. You know how we roll in Las Vegas. Nobody ever sleeps. And if you're sleeping, somebody else is waking, awake and taking your, uh, your place uh, at the casinos and at the sports books, uh, and especially here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. It's located right off the casino floor. It's always free parking. It's all fun and games at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar at the Treasure Island, where I am right this very moment. Uh, so uh, having a lot of fun and glad to be back. This is where we spent our Fridays last year uh, during that crazy Raiders season, and here we are again, and we're already starting to look seriously and earnestly at next year. Maybe not practices, maybe not games. That's a couple of few months away, Uh, but what happens over these next four weeks, month and a half or so, between free agency, which is right around the corner, and the draft, which follows right after, Next week in Indianapolis at the Scouting scouting Combine, we will be there uh, reporting day in and day out uh, from the Combine. All of the decisions that are getting ready to be made, some of which may have already been made. I was talking to a a Raiders player last night, um, and they're kind of anxiously waiting to see what's going on. What direction is this team taking? Where do we go from here? How do we take it from here? How do we continue to build on what was established last year? Those are the questions not just me, a reporter covering the team, you guys as fans, everybody else, but players themselves who are kind of curious about what lies ahead, just like you guys are. Trust me when I say that. There's a lot of, hmm, what direction is this going to go in? And even a little bit of anxiety, let's be honest. When a new regime comes about, there's going to be anxiety from players that are currently on the team. Where do I fit in? How do I fit in? Do I fit in? Got to forge a relationship, not only with the head coach, but the coordinator, my position coach. Am I going to get along with them? Do they like me? I know they're over there in Henderson day in and day out watching film of me and my teammates. What are they? Do they like it? Am I getting off on the right foot? What kind of personalities are, do they have? Are they teachers? Are they screamers and yellers? Am I going to connect with this coach? I mean, there's a lot of... Stuff that goes on, yeah, I mean, these guys are obviously type A personalities, have all the confidence of themselves in the world, but they're also human beings. 
and a new regime brings on excitement, curiosity. Sometimes it injects new life. Maybe you weren't getting along with the previous staff. And now it's a new opportunity with a new coaching staff. But it's all very, you don't really know. You'd like to think you know, but you don't. And really, you don't start getting to know that until you actually get a chance to start working day in and day out. And that's not going to happen for a little while. Remember, in the NFL, kind of like college, college does this too, there's periods of time where coaches are not allowed to talk to players or have any kind of, you know, reaching out or, hey, let's meet me over at the facility. Let's look at some film. They should. I always thought that, especially with your quarterback, and especially when you have a new offensive coordinator and a new offensive staff, a new defensive staff like the Raiders do, wouldn't it make sense to let teams and their coaches and players have more contact in the offseason? That's a story for another day. There's a lot of people who argue for and against. But right now, that's not the case. So if you're a player under contract for the Raiders, you're not really going to get a real firm, good sense of things, of a working relationship, what it's going to look like, what it's going to sound like, what it's going to feel like, how it's going to be, what your status is, until you get on the grass at some point. And that's a few, you know, a month or so away, a uh, month and a half, two months away for, for guys to get onto the field with their coaches. There's obviously other stu- other steps before that that you could come in the building but even there's a period of time where when you, even when you come into the building you can't talk to the coach other than the strength and conditioning coach kind of weird i know but that's the way the nfl rolls and they have their reasons for that but the decisions that, that get made which starting next week where josh mcdaniels dave ziegler the new general manager the offensive and defensive coaching staffs They'll all be coming in and out of town, um, you know, as their position groups start getting out there and working out and being going through the interview process. I really believe that next week is an important step in the Raiders offseason process. And find out today that Josh McDaniels is going to speak to the media for the first time, really. Yeah, we talked to him uh, in the introductory press conference, but that was like, hi, I'm Josh, you know. You know, uh, ask me some questions. I'm the new head coach, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's all the, the pomp and circumstance of an introductory press conference, which unless you're Adam Gase, you know, rarely, nobody rarely or no one bombs that, that thing. You know, it's usually pretty cordial. It's usually pretty positive. Uh, yeah, you try to get into a little bit of depth on, on what's going on, but really they just show it up. And what they know of the team that they're taking over is the research that they've done, which, you know, it's not the research that they've done since they've been here. And that's why I'm so curious uh, to hear what Josh McDaniels has to say next week. He speaks next week from Indianapolis on Wednesday at 1.15 Indianapolis time, so 10.15 out here. I'm sure the Raiders will stream it live on their website. Uh, They might show it on NFL Network. Somehow, someway, you'll have access to it. But we'll be there. And I'm curious what you're curious as Raider Nation that you want to hear from your new head coach. What would you ask Josh McDaniels if you were there with us in Indianapolis? I know for me, obviously Derek Carr is going to come into uh, consideration. You're going to have to talk about Derek Carr. The last time we talked to Je- uh, uh, 
the last time we talked to Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, it was, you know, we're going to we, we respect Derek Carr, um, feel like we can win with Derek Carr. He's shown that you can, uh, he, can, he can lead a, a winning operation. But let's just see where all the pieces fit, how all the pieces fit. You could take that a couple of ways. Does he, do they mean as they're doing their film research this past month or so since they've been on the job, looking at Derek Carr, how he fits in the offense, how he might fit in their offense. Is that what they mean? Or do they mean, you know, we've we got to see him in some games in this offense, so maybe we'll take the 2022 season and then decide how he fits. I don't know. But I'm sure we're going to get an update, you would think, from Josh McDaniels uh, when we talk to him uh, on Wednesday. I want to know about the offensive line. I want to know about Alex Leatherwood. What's the plan with Alex Leatherwood? I want to know, do they feel more comfortable in the draft or free agency at wide receiver? Do they feel more confident in the draft or free agency to fix the offensive line? Me, myself, the way the offensive line, the dynamics of the offensive line that we've seen these last couple of years, I don't know. I just feel like they need more veterans on the offensive line at this point. Something that's creates more certainty it was you know that's what they tried to have last year with Richie Incognito and Denzel Good as their starting guards alongside a very young first-year starter at center and Andre James and obviously a rookie um, uh, in Alex Leatherwood at right tackle that was the plan and it was a solid plan except injuries happened so they went from veteran guards in and around some very young players and green players to equally green players around other green players. I think now is the time for the Raiders to go out and solidify that offensive line with a couple of key veterans. I think that's the direction you go on the offensive line. But we'll see from Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler when we talk to him next week. uh, uh, Brandon in California is on the Raider Nation listener line. How you doing, Brandon? Good. How are you? Doing really good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just curious what are your guys' thoughts on potentially going with or you think this coaching staff would take a look at Jordan Davis in the first round. I know people are concerned about maybe how many, how much he can stay on the field, but a difference maker that's by all means going to be most likely really dominant up front could really create opportunity for our defense. What do you guys think about that? I didn't catch the first name. Who, who are you referring to? Jordan Davis. Oh, Jordan Davis from uh, Georgia? Georgia, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's definitely a, a heck of a prospect. I don't know at 22 if that's the direction to take. Uh, the, the mocks that I've seen uh, had him uh, a little bit later. I was a little, right. I was a little concerned watching him. Uh, I think it was the SEC championship game, not the championship game, but in the SEC championship game. Uh, and you're talking about the defensive tackle, right? Yeah, correct. Um, yeah. The mammoth. <laughs> right, exactly. And he just felt like in that – maybe it was the SEC – it was just because it was the SEC championship game um, and maybe he was hurt or whatever, but he, it, it felt like he ran out of gas in that game. They had to get him off the field yeah. a couple of times, and, and that, that, that usually is an indication of some conditioning uh, issues. But uh, he looked a lot better in the, uh, in the actual championship game, um, and he's definitely a dominant player. But – 
I think that would be my one concern is, is he a down-in and down-out player? Because uh, he, he obviously couldn't get through that SEC, SEC championship game uh, without some huffing and puffing and having to come to the, uh, to the sidelines. But, yeah, I think defensive line is um, a, a definite area of attention and focus uh, by the Raiders. And I say that because, you know, they did a pretty good job on the defensive line last year, and, I, and they did it with some stop-gap players. Your Quentin Jeffersons, right. your Darius Phylons, your Solomon Thomases, all of those guys were on one-year deals. And to me, all of them made justifiable cases to return. However, the dynamic that changed from the end of last season to where we sit today is that it's a new defensive system, a new defensive coordinator. So how does Solomon Thomas, how does Darius Phylon, how does Quentin Jefferson, and really Jonathan Hankins too because he was only on a one-year deal, how do those guys fit in this system? If they're fits for the system, if that's what Patrick Graham and Josh McDaniels uh, and the new defensive line coach and everybody else feel good about, I mean, if you're the Raiders, you'd want to try to get all those guys back because they played pretty darn well. And what I really liked about looking the defense, at, go ahead. Uh, that's mostly what I was thinking here is that. With, uh, you know, if you look at the draft history of the Patriots and, and like, what kind of systems they like to run or Patrick Graham, it, he seems like what would be a great fit in that, that style of system. And I don't know if the players that we had will try to retain them for this new system or not, like you were saying. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, in fact, they had a great rookie last year with the Patriots. Uh, uh, was it Barmore from Alabama who kind of fits that, um, you know, that, that profile right there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean – there's no doubt that, especially with the new system, that they're going to look for different players, different types of players, uh, players that look a little bit different, um, you know, because you have to have a little bit more girth, uh, especially at that nose tackle position. Um, you know, your tackle positions are a little bit – or your tackle positions uh, are a little bit different if he goes with that 3-4 defense. Now, I'm not sure that's what he's going to do. It sounded like when we talked to Max Crosby over at the Pro Bowl last month that – he had gotten assurances that, you know, hey, don't worry about the scheme and, and what, what you're hearing about a 3-4 or a 4-3. I'm going to put you in the right positions to succeed. And for Max Crosby, uh, that, I mean, his, his, he's grown up every year that he's played football, from what he told us, in a 4-3 as put your hand in the ground uh, and go play that 6 or 9 technique where you're rushing off the edge out of a three-point stance. Now, I, I've, ta- I've said this many times. I talked to Wade Phillips last year. He was interested in coming to the Raiders last year as the defensive coordinator. He is a 3-4 guy. And I had a few conversations with him. One of them was about Max Crosby. And I was like, can he play the 3-4? Is he somebody that you can envision teaching to stand up as a rush edge end and rush the passer from, from, from that angle, from that launch point? He felt like he could. Now, selling that to Max Crosby coming off a career year, really coming into his own as an NFL six or nine technique rush defensive end with his hand in the ground, it would be kind of a tough sell when he's coming off a career year where he was like pushing at points in time uh, for, you know, NFL defensive player of the year honors. He was a dominant player last year playing that position. So if you were to, if you're Patrick Graham, you're going to have to really make a great sales pitch to tell, you know, somebody like Max Crosby, hey, um, we're looking at doing some things differently this year. 
you might have to be adaptable and f- be flexible in order to uh, make it work, or at least give it a chance to make work. Now, we've said this before. If you're Max Crosby, does it hurt? You know, especially in the offseason, you've got some time here. You've got some time here, um, you know, with, with OTAs and, and all that that are coming up, mini camp, uh, training camp as well. But even before that, really, if, if Patrick Graham says, hey, we'd like to dabble a little bit in seeing if you can be an upright guy. And not only rushing the passer, playing the run, obviously, as well, but, hey, sometimes maybe dropping back in coverage, creating some confusion, you know, for the quarterback, thinking that you're going to rush, and then all of a sudden you drop into a zone and you're right there to tip a ball or, or make an interception. We saw him do that in the Pro Bowl. I know the Pro Bowl was kind of nonsense in a lot of ways in terms of the two-hand touch, but Max Crosby, who was the defensive player of the game in that game, was flying all over the field, not just rushing the passer, but dropping back and making plays all over the field. So maybe that was a uh, indicator of what could come, but if you're Max Crosby, and I'm not saying the conversation is going to happen, and maybe Patrick Graham says, you know what, looking at film, that's his spot. You know, put his hand in the ground and, and rush the passer out of a three-point stance. We're not going to mess with that whatsoever. Then that's one thing, and, and maybe they never have that conversation. But if Patrick Graham looks at Max Crosby, the athlete, and, you know, he's, he's lean, he's long, he's fast, he's quick, he's strong, he's got good footwork, he's an athlete. You know, you look at Max Crosby, and it's obvious just watching him play that he's got athletic ability. And when you have the necessary athletic ability, that creates a little bit of flexibility in terms of, you know, maybe we can move him around a little bit. Maybe we can play him upright. And, then, and, and if that is the case and it goes down that road, if you're Max Crosby, that just makes you even more marketable. That makes you even better and more versatile. And the more tools that you have in your toolbox, the better asset you can be to a team. Now, I fully expect Max Crosby to be back um, here with the Raiders for a long period of time. Obviously, uh, his contract extension is coming up, and I feel like it's going to get done. So, it, but it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what what happens with him. And so, but yes, defensive line—it's one of those overlooked positions for the Raiders right now because the glaring need, when you look at last year. And you can't always go on just last year, and I'll tell you why here in a second. But the glaring need, if you go off last year, was finding a a long-term replacement for Henry Ruggs at that position and fixing the offensive line, which was never in full sync at all last year for various reasons. So, okay, yes, absolutely. Those were the two most glaring needs as you review the 2021 season. Here's what changes that. Contracts. We just talked about it. Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson, Jonathan Hankins, Darius Phylon. They're all free agents. So there's no guarantee that they're going to come back. There's no guarantee that somebody's not going to blow them out of the water with an offer, that the Raiders are going to say, hey, that's a little too rich for our taste. There's no guarantees that as Patrick Graham um, and his defensive staff are scouring the film, probably as we speak, 
over at the facility in Henderson aren't looking at those four players and saying they're good players. They just don't fit with what we're doing. And again, I'm not saying that is the case, but you have to be open to that possibility. So a unit that looked really good last year in a lot of different ways, the Raiders created pressure. The Raiders did a much better job, I felt, especially uh, in key moments of defending the run. There was some sloppiness. There was some, uh, so, you know, some games that, that it bit him on the butt. But by and large, the Raiders did a pretty decent job along the off or along the defensive line. And they had a lot of depth as well. Guys were coming in, guys were going out, and they got a pretty good standard of play all throughout. But that was in last year's system, and that was under the contract circumstances of last year. That's no longer the case this year. So has an area that looked pretty strong all of a sudden become a weakness? Interesting to find out. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. I am live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook at the Treasure Island Hotel. There's free parking. There's great drinks. There's great food. There's sports everywhere I look. There's betting, obviously. It's a great time. Join us. 4 to 6 p.m. here at the Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook. And if you got to stay later, they love that. Trust me. And this place is open 24 hours. You're in the huddle with the Mini Monster brought to you by Tequila and Butter. Welcome back to In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook. What's good? What's good? What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Friday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. I am live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook here at the Treasure Island Hotel. Free parking, great food, great drink specials. There's sports galore everywhere you look. There's horse racing, betting, gambling. It's right off the casino. It is a good time. Uh, so come join us uh, if you get a chance. If you can't come today, this place is open 24 hours, the, the Treasure Island Hotel. You know how we roll in Las Vegas. Uh, so uh, if you are in town, if you're visiting uh, here in Las Vegas at any point, come on down. Golden Circle Sportsbook here at the Treasure Island Hotel. I promise it's a good time. We are going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a good friend of mine and my colleague uh, over at the Las Vegas Review Journal and Raider Nation, uh, or excuse me, uh, Vegas Nation, uh, the great columnist, award-winning columnist. He's also uh, the uh, host of uh, in the pre- or the press box from seven to ten a.m. on our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. Ed Graney, thank you so much for joining us. The last time I talked to you this morning, you were on the treadmill at the gym, working out to look all lean and uh, and mean like you always do. How are you doing, my friend? Well, it's to look something. I'm not sure about that, but it's to look something. <laughs> Vinny, when you're in the huddle, are you wearing the green dot? Is DeMond, like, telling you the plays to run? I've always wondered this. Uh, Q is definitely the play caller. So the green okay, dot Q's is on Q's, uh, okay. yes. Well, you know what? Right. Sometimes he might be up in the uh, press box or on the sidelines, and then uh, he'll switch. So he'll he'll call the game from the sidelines, and then DeMond will have the green dot on the helmet, and then I'll get the, okay. uh, I'll get the voice. And then I can audible. I can audible, yeah. man. Yeah, absolutely. There's... There's no dots in the dots in the press box, so I'm always impressed by the uh, in the huddle. 
<laughs> if if there were, you would be wearing the uh, the green dot, and you would be, get up to the line of scrimmage, and you know, audible, get the get the uh, get the right look, the right play, uh, like you always do, Ed Graney. All right, so Mr. Graney, it seems like yesterday we were in Cincinnati, writing the Raiders' season-ending finale story, and where was it all going to head? Where was it? Gonna, is Rich Passaccia going to come back? Were they going going to go in another direction? What was Mike Mayock's future? Well, since that day, that cold day, I might add, in Cincinnati, a lot has changed for the Raiders, and I really haven't had a chance to talk to you about it uh, on air. What do you make of all the changes that have happened since the last time we talked to those guys in a lock, you know, uh, in, a, in a game setting? Yeah, I mean, I thought you and I were always under the assumption that they'd probably make a change as well as Rich did, and I think I really think the organization owed him a debt of gratitude for stepping in in a really dramatic and hard and difficult time uh, that Rich Bisaccia did. But I think we were just all the impression that Mark Davis would want a clean, fresh start, and that's what he got with Josh McDaniels uh, and Dave Ziegler. And I know you're going to be at the Combine in Indianapolis next week and talking to both of them for the first time for an extended period. So, you know, I mean, this is what happens usually when uh, the drama that comes out of last year did, or last season, I should say, not last year already, but last season. And like I said, Rich went on, got himself a nice spot in Green Bay. I'm sure he'll do a great job there. They really need someone who knows special teams there. And away you go. Um, it's a business. The guys, you know, guys always say that. They say it's a business, and, you know, that's okay until it kind of affects them personally. And then, you know, there's some, you know, there's some sad feelings, and, Rich was really close to a lot of those guys in the locker room, and I'm sure they'll remain close, but it's a new day and new age, and um, we'll have to see what these guys do. I know you'll have a lot of good reporting next week when you actually get to sit down and talk to these guys. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're talking to Ed Graney, the great columnist from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, but also uh, the great host of the Press Box, 7 to 10 a.m. daily over on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, Ed, I got a question in my uh, weekly mailbag that I do for the Review Journal, and it was basically, is Josh McDaniel going to have to do a sales job uh, to some of these players to get them on board, given the loyalty that they had for Rich Bisaccia? I don't think that that's going to be the case. Uh, Players that I talk to, you know, they're kind of champing at the bit to get back out of the field and try to build off of what they built last year. But you never know. Um, so I'm asking it to you. Do you think that's even in the realm of possibility, or do you think guys are going to just be professional about it uh, and accept it and move on um, with full loyalty to the new regime? Oh, no, I don't, I don't think he's going to need to do that, especially now. It's like, you know, if it's a day after Rich Versace is not retained, maybe. But it's going to be a long time by the time, you know, they, they're, they're, I'm sure they've you know, been at the facility and know him now and getting to know him. They can also look at all the rings on his fingers. And, you know, that's kind of what – these guys want right they all want a ring and he's got a ton of them so they loved rich but like i just said and you said it's a business they understand these things happen and uh, you know uh we talked to hunter renfro at a pro bowl practice exactly like that benny we asked him the same question he goes look this isn't mcdaniel's fault he just right. you know he applied for a job or he you know they 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 recruited him for a job and he got the job i mean rich had nothing to do with that and mcdaniel's had nothing to do with rich so I, they're professionals this isn't you know you get, you know, high school teams or high school kids and they're sad a coach leaves. This is, you know, this is a highly, highly professional setting with NFL players, and I'm sure they just understand this is what happens, and I'm sure they're all in on Josh McDaniels, and they need to be all in. You know, they need to be better. They need to get better and make it so they advance further in the playoffs. So 
the last thing you need to do on that is, you know, hold any grudge against anyone. And I'm sure none of them do. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of that. In about an hour and a half, I will be talking to Derek Carr, um, along with some of the other uh, media members here in Las Vegas. Uh, he's ho- uh, hosting an event, um, you know, a, a church event over at uh, UNLV in April, and he's kind of promoting it uh, today at 6 p.m. at a press conference that he's holding. And it's the first time we'll talk to him since all this happened. So when we talk about loyalty, when we talk about professionalism, and I'm never going to question any of that with Derek Carr, but the relationship between head coach and quarterback is very unique and very important in the whole scheme of things. Um, what would you be interested in hearing from Derek Carr right about now after everything that's happened? Well, I hope so. I was thinking about this when I saw the release on his press conference, and I hope he does get to talk about his actual event, but I said, boy, those sports writers are going to go over there and want, a lot, want to know a lot about his contract situation. So yes. I'm sure, as, the, as it should be with you guys, um, that should be the questions. But, yeah, I mean, I want to hear where his head's at. You know, um, beyond this, just this event, he's going to be also, I want to hear where his head's at. I mean, everyone's, you know, on Twitter every day. Everyone's waiting for beat writers like you to report it first. Um, what are they going to do with him? What, are, what is the ultimate decision going to be by McDaniels and Ziegler in terms of Derek Carr? Maybe Derek Carr knows and he can't say right now. Maybe he doesn't know. I mean, we don't know. And maybe that's something that comes out of the combine or before that next week. I just really like to know where his headspace is in terms of Josh McDaniels, in terms of his future, Derek's always said he wants to, you know, be a Raider for life, and this is where he wants to be. I assume that hasn't changed, um, but that, that's what I would like to know from him. How, you know, how often has he been with Josh McDaniels? You know, how much has he seen them? You know, are they at the facility? Things like that in terms of the relationship. That, like you said, he had a great relationship with John Gruden. We know what happened there. I think he always had a good relationship with Greg Olson, and now he has to change. But the thing about Derek Carr is, He's had to forge relationships with a lot of coaches, as you and I know, at that, at that program. So this isn't anything new for him. He hasn't been with the same guy for eight years. Um, so that's kind of where you know, I can't wait to hear you know, from your reporting. It's like, where, where's his head at you know, as the process plays out? Yeah, no question about it. We're talking to Ed Graney, the great sports columnist uh, over at the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And uh, you can hear him 7 to 10 a.m. Monday through Friday over on ESPN Las Vegas uh, on the press box. And they do a great job uh, on that show. Uh, always like waking up to it. Uh, all right, so next week we are going to talk to Dave Ziegler, I think, hoping. But for sure Josh McDaniels on Wednesday. It'll really be his first time talking to us as the official head coach, somebody that now has – knowledge of the team you know i'm sure they've been working it and grinding it this last month or so taking a look at what's on hand what might be out there available to them in free agency in the draft so he has a better command of things right now of the situation than he did when we talked to him at the introductory press conference what are you curious to hear from josh mcdaniels at this point i'd like to hear you know what i really want to hear because you and i know both know they've done this They've evaluated everyone at this point. Yes. And they've evaluated every position. They've evaluated every one of their impending free agents. Um, they've evaluated, you know, they have guys evaluating the draft. If he'd say it, and, you know, you're not sure to combine what he'll say, but I'd love to know what he thinks the needs are and where they need to get better and where they need to get stronger. Um, I don't know if he would, you know, address specific free agents. I don't know if he can or he would um, because they do have, in my opinion, some key ones. Um, I don't know if he'd address some of these fifth-year options they have to make decisions on here pretty quick with Farrell and, you know, Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Abram and people like that. 
But I just want to know where he thinks they need to improve and what, you know, as he's evaluated everything, where is his, you know, positions of need that they really need. And it might give us a sense on what he's thinking about in free agency and specifically what you guys will be doing next week, looking at all these draft prospects and who they might be looking at there. I think that'll be fascinating. I mean, Raider fans love news about any of their players or any of their teams or their impending players. So I think that'll be fascinating to hear what he has thought after he has sat down and I'm sure watched film on every player on that team. Do you think that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are going to want to come uh, and make big, bold moves right off the bat? Or do you think we're going to see more of kind of how the Patriots have done things over the years where some of it kind of flies under the radar and sometimes you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. And the next thing you know, that that player or whoever works out beautifully and well and they're winning another Super Bowl. But I don't know, I kind of get the sense that maybe they want to make a big move, but I'm still not quite ready to go there. What about you? You know what the funny thing is? I think a lot of it has to do with Derek Carr. I think if you, you know, I think they're going to keep Derek Carr. I think they're going to extend. And if you do that, you're saying, we think if we can put enough good people around them, you can, you know, compete for deep in the playoffs and maybe even a Super Bowl, right? I mean, if you bring him back, you're going to, you're going to commit a lot of money to him, and you're going to say, what can we put around him? What can we put on defense to make this team a Super Bowl contender? So I don't, you know, the big moves, yeah, the big moves might be one of these free agent wide receivers that you got to pay. But I'm with you in terms of, like, huge moves. If they bring Derek Carr back, I don't know if they're going to feel they need to make huge moves. I think they need to get him a receiver and maybe some offensive line help. But in terms of huge moves, I don't know if they'll, I don't know if they'll do that beyond a receiver because I think if they bring Derek Carr back, they're pretty sure they're pretty close. If they didn't bring him back, then it's like, look, we're resetting, right? I mean, if they didn't bring him back, no matter who the quarterback was, whether it was Mariota or you know someone they drafted, that that is a definite response that they're going to reset and you know go forward and try to build you know from from the ground up. But I think they're going to bring Carr back, and that to me means not a a lot of major moves, just maybe one with a wide receiver. Ed Graney, I'm going to put you in the office of Dave Ziegler. You you are now Dave Ziegler. Do you at least make a call to Green Bay or maybe even Seattle just to gauge what that might look like with one Aaron Donald or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson? Well, I'll tell you what, I do call an Aaron Donald, but I don't know if we're getting him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody should call on that yes. guy like 10 times a day. But <laughs> I think, you know, it's funny. If there's any hint that Rodgers is available. And you made the call. Now, again, what were the reports that Denver called and no one was answering? So that might give you a basis of if they're answering or not. <laughs> but I think, well, I think Carr is really good. and I do think they should extend him and go forward with him. You, you have to do your due diligence on everything, everything in your program, from the ground up, from every position. So if you think, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks who's ever lived might be available, or another Hall of Fame quarterback in Russell Wilson might be available, What's a two-minute pre- what's a two-minute call? I mean, it, it could be nothing, and maybe they don't even answer. Like we're hearing, they're not even answering. And then you know, you've done your due diligence by picking up the phone. But I think if there's any hint that Aaron Rodgers is available, I don't know if there's many teams in the league that shouldn't pick up the phone. Not just the Raiders. I mean, it's not. And here it is. It's nothing against Derek Carr. I mean, that's what people people always assume one thing has to do with the other. It doesn't have anything to do. I mean, Derek Carr is a good quarterback. He's a good NFL quarterback. I think he can win at this level in terms of consistent playoff things, depending on who's around him. But it's Aaron Rodgers. So that has nothing to do with Derek Carr. So I do think that if they haven't already, you at least inquire. Maybe you inquire through an agent. 
maybe you inquire through, you know, side people and, you know, not the main people say, no, he's just not going to be available. It's not going to happen. And then you move on and you decide to do what to do with Derek Carr. And you've done your due diligence with both those guys. And then, like I said, the odds are the conversation never happens or it's a very quick one, um, depending on, you know, you know, you know the haul they would want for Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know at this point if Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels feels it's worth it to give up that much. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're talking to Ed Graney from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, the great sports columnist of the Review-Journal. Uh, he's also the host of Press Box, the Press Box, uh, 7 to nine a.m., seven to 10 a.m. Uh, on ESPN Las Vegas. Last question for you, Ed Graney. When we get to training camp in August, will Derek Carr be under contract with the Raiders for multiple years? I think he'll be under contract for multiple years. I think he'll be like, I think he'll have a contract that says three years, which is three years. Okay. Um, I think he'll be, I think they're going to extend him. I think they should extend him. So, I mean, that's not, I don't know, that doesn't mean anything. Um, I think that, I think it should be a short term extension. I think you can make that money work. And you could also tell him in that sense that depending on the money, you know, you got to have some, something for else, for, for other people too. I mean, if, you know, if his goal, and I know Derek's goal is to win a Super Bowl with the Raiders, I think there's a lot of money out there for him. But I think you could convince him, you know, you can't break the bank also because there are positions of need, you've written about these, that they need to get better at. And you do that with money. So I do think they'll extend them. And um, we should probably know fairly soon, I mean, obviously before the draft, um, that that's what I think they're going to do. Well, we will. Uh, we're all anxiously waiting, and uh, maybe yeah. maybe we'll get a little glimpse tonight when we talk to yeah, uh, I mean, Derek Carr. It'll be interesting to see how he responds to your guys' questions tonight about his future. Yes, uh, there's no doubt about it, and of course, the big event that he's going to be hosting um, over yeah, so at uh, please, UNLV. Please, someone ask him about that because I'd feel bad if he held a press conference about the event with the church, and everyone's like, "What about your contract?" No, no doubt about it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're going we're gonna to ease into that, I'm sure, uh, and give him the respect that he absolutely deserves for a great cause, by the way. Uh, Ed Grady, thank you so much. You know, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, uh, Really appreciate it. Have a great Dave, weekend. I hope your listeners know you're a two-time top 10 APSE winner this year, so congratulations to you. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much, Ed. And you know that it's all teamwork. So uh, I'm a product of a great environment without question and great teammates, uh, Raider Nation Radio included. Uh, appreciate it, Ed. Uh, and you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Raider Nation Radio, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. We're back at the scene of the fun. It is great food, drink specials, free parking, sports galore. There's betting. There's All kinds of fun. It's Friday night in Las Vegas. How can it not be fun? We'll talk to you in just a minute. Welcome back to In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook. That's right. You are in the huddle. I am Vinny Bonsignor, and I am at the Golden Circle Sportsbook here at the Treasure Island Hotel. It's Friday night. It's Las Vegas. We've been here. We were here all last year. Took us a little while to get back, which we truly appreciate. And um, already having fun again uh, here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. It's at the Treasure Island uh, Hotel. There's free parking. Um, there's great food. There's great drink specials always. Uh, there's a ton of televisions. I'm watching hockey, college basketball, the NBA. Um, there's horse racing. There's uh, you know sports betting. 
everything that you could expect from a great sports book in Las Vegas, all here at the Treasure Island Hotel, and I'm happy to be here. Devon Cotton, can you hear me? Of course I can. All righty. Um, so, you know, yesterday we had talked about, you know, who do you want to see in the uh, at the Combine? And we all know that it's kind of a glorified, um, you know, guys out there in shorts running around doing some football things, some non-football things. But the one thing that we can all agree on is at the very least with the quarterbacks, you know, we get a chance to see um, them moving around a little bit, making throws. Can they make all the throws um, on the on the uh, on the throw tree, all of that, and the throw chart. Um, you, you mentioned Malik Willis, right? Yesterday, and uh, the kid from um, uh, Liberty University. Been watching some tape, and I don't know, man. I think this guy uh, has special written all over him. And I know people kind of get caught up in Liberty. Liberty. Why did he end up at Liberty? You know, what happened? What was the deal there? Was he not highly recruited out of high school? Did he ended up? you know, kind of a smaller university, but you do a little bit of research. He did go to Auburn out of high school. So he was definitely uh, a highly qualified kid coming out of high school. You don't go to Auburn unless you are. Um, so, and, and, and the interesting thing about college football now, um, especially at the quarterback position, which is so volatile, and there's only one quarterback, Demon uh, Cotton, uh, on, a, on a football team at any given moment, one starting quarterback. It's not like offensive line where you have multiple players or linebacker or wide receiver where guys rotate and rotate out. So if you're not the starter uh, and you've got NFL aspirations and you feel like you are legitimately an NFL player, the clock is running really, really fast. And you want to get out of the field as quickly as you possibly can. So in Malik's case, like many others that we've seen over the years, um, he decided to go find a place where he could get on the field to show what he's all about. What do you like when you watch him, uh, Demon Cotton? What do you like when you watch Malik Willis? It's that little bit of athleticism. I think that he does have one of the best arms yeah. in, in this draft class, and I think that he does benefit from being in a weak quarterback class. You know, he is the best quarterback available, so I definitely think that that makes him a first-rounder where you have to go out there, and if a team needs a quarterback in the first round, He's got to be the best option. I do think that he's better than Kenny Pickett. But it's that little bit of athleticism that he does have. He's not the greatest athlete, but a good one. And the fact that I do think that he has the best arm in this, in this QB class. You said that he's the best quarterback. Uh, we both can agree that Pro Football Focus is one of our go-to uh, resources, right? Uh, I love it. Uh, I read it religiously, uh, scour over it, respect it a great deal. It's not infallible, but I respect it. Uh, and it's usually uh, pretty on point. Um, they have, they actually have Sam Howell from North Carolina as their, as their top quarterback. It's very even, uh, he's the 20th ranked player on their big board. Uh, Malik is number 22 on their big door, uh, on their, on their big board. So it's, it's kind of, you know, nose to nose type of a situation there. After that, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati at 32, Matt Corral at Ole Miss, number 34 on the PFF big board. We're talking about quarterbacks right now. Kenny Pickett. From Pittsburgh, number 47, Carson Strong from uh, uh, up north, Reno, uh, Nevada, number 65. Uh, and, you know, uh, Jack, it's, by, after that, it kind of falls off of a, a little bit of a cliff as far as I'm concerned. Um, so of those players, aside from Malik, who are you uh, intrigued to see out on the field throwing it around um, next week? 
I'm intrigued to see Sam Howell because Sam Howell, something about him, he was supposed to be, if he would have been what he was projected to be this coming season, he was number one pick hype in the offseason. He was like he was QB one, so it's it's interesting. Excuse me, it's interesting to see his fall from guy that's maybe potential number one pick to ah man, you could be the twentieth person on someone else's big board. So I think that maybe if he has a good combine performance, he can rise up those ranks a little bit. But I don't know. It's interesting to see a player who almost played themselves out of being the number one pick in the draft. And here's the thing, and we have to always put things in perspective sometimes. Uh, because in the case of Sam Howell, and he's obviously North Carolina, an ACC quarterback. I'm a fan of Notre Dame football. They play five to six ACC games a year. They played uh, a full season of ACC games the year before because of COVID. Uh, so I've got a chance to see Sam Howell a couple of times. And what's interesting to me, um, uh, Damon, and you're right, he took a step back last year. But I'm not so sure he took the step back. They lost a lot of talent from 2020 when you were thinking about him and people were thinking about him as potentially a top five pick. The talent level from that year at North Carolina to this year changed. Um, it, it, it was just less. And so the court, you have to sometimes play that into uh, or, or, or keep that in mind. And so I'm wondering when you look at a Sam Howell, because I'm with you, I think he's a pretty good, darn good player. And he gave Notre Dame everything they could handle both times that they played him these last two years. Somebody might actually benefit because the evaluation evaluated his play without maybe taking into context what he didn't have around him in 2021 compared to 2020. Where do you put that on your, uh, on your, on your, on your weight when you, when you weigh these type of things? I still don't think that the numbers were there. We've seen quarterbacks that, oh, this team isn't going to win the national championship, but they still have spectacular seasons. So you, I feel like at a certain point, you can't just blame it on, hey, the, the the team isn't as talented as it was last year, but we still need you to be QB1 and step up and make some plays and give those spectacular performances. How many quarterbacks have you seen like were those Heisman Trophy-type seasons, but you knew that that team wasn't going to win anything? We can go Lamar Jackson, Johnny Manziel, guys that still had elect. I know these are just college football seasons, but still had, and doesn't mean that, doesn't translate to the pro success, but they still balled out for their college team. They did, they did, and and uh, I'm trying to remember, didn't I think Mike Evans was with was with Johnny uh, Manziel, so that, that he got he might have gotten helped. That's the thing. Lamar is a whole other issue. He was just damn good. Um, I always felt like Johnny was he was a fun college quarterback, but he also had a lot of talent around him uh, over at Texas A and M. But uh, but you know, I, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, I'm kind of curious about Kenny uh, uh, Pickett. I got to admit, you know, I heard all the hype about him, um, and I remember watching him. It was in the ACC championship game, and then also, and granted, it was raining cats and dogs in that game, uh, but then also in their ball game, I wasn't blown away. I don't know what it was, but I just, I didn't see what I thought I was going to see. So I'm kind of curious how he's going to look. Uh, again, it's the scouting combine. There's not much you can really truly read because when you're throwing against air, when air is the defense, um, you should look good at this level, although not everybody does, and that's a bad sign if it doesn't. Um, but I'm interested in seeing uh, uh, Kenny Pickett. And, of course, uh, Carson Strong from up in Nevada, uh, you know, uh, uh, love players from this conference um, out here uh, in, you know, that play against UNLV and, 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 and that conference in Mountain West. Um, so I'm interested in seeing Carson Strong. As of right now, PFF has him as a 65th-ranked player overall, so that's not a bad spot to be in. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'm sure he's got some time 
to play himself into that top 30. And again, with quarterbacks, you never know because teams need quarterbacks, so sometimes they get overdrafted because the need and the position is so important. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Imahura, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We are live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook at the Treasure Island Hotel. Come on by. Great food, great drinks, televisions galore, sports all over the place, sports betting. It is a blast. Come on by.